Well, hello again. I'm Tony Payne, and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. Really nice to be with you again as we try to apply the truth of Christ crucified and the whole worldview that comes from that truth to the ups and downs and ins and outs of our lives as Christians and as gospel ministers in his service. And today we're going to think about opinion and the sin of opinion. Now, I wonder if you've ever been part of or observed a social media thread that sort of runs like this. And it's a little bit hard to convey uh, all the different voices. But if you can imagine that in the following set of snippets, it's lots of different people posting different things. I'm not going to try and do different voices. That would just be silly. But imagine a conversation on Facebook or Twitter that goes like this. Seen the latest Star Wars? Nah, but I hear it stinks. Yeah, that's what they're saying. I've seen the trailer. Terrible. Whole series jumped the shark long ago. Haha, <laughs> yes. Three words. Jar Jar Binks. Nope, haven't and won't. It will be even more cringeworthy than the last. Whose genius idea was it to give it to the director of Little Miss Sunshine? I don't know how anyone in good conscience could even go to a Star Wars movie. The way the Ewoks were exploited in the making of Six was disgusting and no one has ever apologised. And the racist way in which Darth Vader is always dressed in black is just once more, bracket, read more, close bracket. No, I can't even. Hashtag don't see it. Since they sold out to Disney, it's been sell out all the way down. Agree. They're no longer interested in the story arc. It's just about money. Hashtag don't see it. Hey, does anyone think we should wait until we actually see it? You are disgusting. Now, social media parodies are not hard to write. We've seen this kind of conversation, or perhaps even participated in it, multiple times over multiple subjects, whether on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. In fact, we could change the subject of the conversation to almost anything, and the level of analysis and passion would be pretty much the same. For example, the news stories that we discuss really are just as carefully manufactured as any Star Wars story, and we debate them with about as much real knowledge and insight. It starts typically with a compressed, constructed narrative being presented to us in some form, say in a TV news clip or a YouTube clip or in a news article. It usually goes something like this. X was promised to happen in some way by the government. But, says the earnest reporter, some people say that it's not working or has disadvantaged them in some way. Cue Jim the Battler, who tells his tragic story. Cut back to the reporter with 10 seconds of selective factoids with graphics on screen. Cut to two-sentence grab from government spokesman, looking awkward, saying that everything is fine. Cut back to reporter saying, but try telling that to Jim the Battler and then finish with solemn-looking news anchor summing it up with a rueful comment. The moral of this little story and what we're supposed to think and conclude from it is clear enough. The government is incompetent, as usual, and or doesn't care about the battlers, as usual. Now, all this is as stylized and crafted as any fiction. It may or may not represent the truth of the situation. We have so little to go on that it's impossible to tell. What exactly did the government promise, and when, and in what context? Does Jim the Battler represent a broad trend, or an anomaly? Are there other complexities that help explain both the plight of Jim and the broader situation? What alternative forms of action were available for the government? 
Is this the best that could be retrieved from difficult circumstances? And so on. None of these questions can be canvassed or conveyed in a short news story, nor is that even the intention. What we get instead is a brief, impressionistic narrative, usually based around the available footage, and presented to us as fact or as entertainment or both. And then, of course, we share it. We share it on social media and start opinionating. We opinionate profusely about it, making value judgments, impugning the motives of those involved, generally quipping and sniding and joking with each other, with the kind of gestural emotion that is meant to demonstrate that we know and that we care. Most online discussion of contemporary issues is like this, whether it's about George Floyd or the European Super League or climate change or vaccine rollout, the latest political scandal, or the next Star Wars movie. None of us really knows much of anything, but this doesn't stop us responding with our opinion. And our opinion is frequently based on an aesthetic judgment of what we like or favour, of what feels or looks good to us, or perhaps on a tribal reflex that is based on what other people like me believe and think, and especially whether we're people of the left or the right, we tend to have the same reactions to the same issues. It's only in the rarest of instances that we penetrate to any kind of level of knowledge or insight that might lead to real understanding, let alone real responsible action. All of which is to say that while this kind of opinionating passes the time well enough, I suppose, and may even raise our cachet among friends. It has about as much connection with reality as a bunch of Star Wars fans discussing a movie that they haven't seen. Now, you might ask whether that's really a problem. I mean, what's wrong with friends occasionally shooting the breeze about trivia? Surely we all do that. Well, perhaps there isn't much wrong with that, if indeed it is trivia, like my cat's diarrhoea, and it is occasional. But I'm not sure it is occasional, given that at present the average user now spends two and a quarter hours on social media channels every day. But social media discussion of current issues and events goes far beyond trivial and occasional. It enables and supercharges a problem that we might call the sin of opinion. What do I mean by that? Loving real people is hard work. To do it well, we have to confront the reality of the person in front of us, the fallen, complicated person in front of us. We have to prayerfully ponder what faith and love and wisdom require of us in the actual circumstances that this person is experiencing. And then, if possible, take the costly step of doing something, of saying something, of sharing something, of praying for something. Now, this kind of gospel wisdom and gospel action asks a lot of me. It draws me out of myself for a start. It demands my time and attention. It asks me to focus on someone else rather than myself. It calls on me to see the problems of the world through the lens of the gospel rather than the lens of the big media news organisations. It requires me to trust the knowledge of the world that God gives me and to love others and speak the truth to others on that basis. 
It goes against, in other words, every single sinful instinct that I have. It's much easier to say, go in peace, be warmed and filled, than to take responsibility to provide peace and warmth and filling for the person in front of you. As it says in James 2.16, I find it much easier to exhaust my moral energies doom-scrolling through endless posts and articles and YouTube clips, pausing to make ill-informed judgments about the confected narratives that are presented to me there. Much easier to do that than to turn to the task at hand, which is to engage in prayerful, costly, Christ-honouring action in the real world with the real people I live with. Do you find yourself distracted and exhausted by the opinion machine that has been constructed by big tech for your diversion and for their profit? Do you find yourself tempted by the sin of opinion? Well, take a break. Use the time to do something loving for a real person instead. And as you sign off from your platform of choice, perhaps post Proverbs 18.2 into your feed. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Well, that little blast against opinionating was stimulated in large part by a passage I read some time ago in Oliver O'Donovan's book, Finding and Seeking. It's on pages 84 to 88 in the unlikely event that you're going to chase that up and read it for yourself. In that passage, O'Donovan, in his typically densely packed and erudite fashion, speaks about the ways in which we fail to engage with the real created world that's in front of us in wisdom. And he speaks of two kinds of folly in this passage, as opposed to wisdom. The folly of inconsiderateness, where we don't think or interrogate the reality that we experience. We only watch it or feel it or react to it. We don't think sufficiently and don't engage with wisdom, with the reality that that we live in. That's the folly of inconsiderateness. But the opposite folly is the folly of opinion, which is the one I've more focused on in this piece today, where we replace reflection and action with a kind of anxious social participation in shallow reactive opinion sharing. Now, I've concentrated on this second one above, on opinion, but it seems to me that social media is an equally good platform for fostering inconsiderateness, that is, the kind of vacuous, thoughtless trawling through multiple images and clips, liking them, posting an emoji, making a little quip, but never leading us to learn anything or understand anything or act in any kind of wise or loving way. Here's a good quote from Oliver about the folly of opinion. He says, Led by the pied pipers of the media, we plunge into the caverns of imagination, framing our views on how the world may be put to rights, and never giving thought to the fact that the world we are shown is a carefully constructed representation which demands interrogation. Sharpening our arrows of opinion and firing them off at actors they will never reach, pronouncing judgments that involve us in no actual responsibility, we go through the motions of playing a part in the great communicative drama and so work off surplus active impulses before turning to the tasks that actually lie before us. 
And there's plenty more like that if you want to chase that up in Finding and Seeking on pages 84 to 88. It strikes me too that there are other follies at work in the online world and in online discussions, especially about contemporary events and issues. I jotted them down in my notes and I mentioned them here in passing, but they're probably worth a discussion of their own at some point. There's the folly of confirmation bias, of course, of selecting and arranging the facts before me in such a way as to confirm what I already know to be true. That's a common theme. There's the folly of monocausality. That's where we assume that there is one and only one factor that explains a certain phenomenon. And usually that factor is an ism, like racism or sexism or socialism or capitalism or whatever ideology we happen to be possessed by. And there's the folly of hasty generalisation, that is, of taking one incident, often a symbolic incident, and extrapolating that out to a general conclusion. So for some people, if it's a cold snap and a cold period of weather, they'll say, ha so much for global warming. Or on the other side, if there's a really bad bushfire, some people say, ha see, global climate catastrophe. Whereas the particular incident may or may not have any connection to a broader trend. That's a much more difficult question to solve, but we're very prone to take one symbolic incident and make it stand for the whole. Now, there are no doubt other follies that we engage in as we discuss and argue, but those three, the folly of confirmation bias, monocausality, and hasty generalisation, are three of the ones that I spot all the time, and perhaps you might look out for them as well. Well, as I said, this is a partner-only email, this edition of The Painful Truth. Please keep sending in your uh, responses and comments and emails. There's been some really interesting responses to the post I did last week about whether or not we should count conversions and the whole question of how numbers and outcomes and goals should be thought about in Christian ministry. In fact, enough good correspondence on that that I think I should return to it at some future point, which I will do, and summarise the excellent inputs and ideas that people have been sending in on that question. So stay tuned for that. Well, that's probably enough for today. Enough opinionating about the subject of opinion. I hope you found it useful and stimulating. As always, I'm Tony Payne. Thanks so much for being with me. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.